Number four. No, I'm just kidding you. Remember, this was a part two from last week. So uh, who needs a Bible? We're gonna be in Matthew chapter nine. They've got them. Just raise your hand. They will bring one right to you. We want everybody to be able to read God's word. So put your hand up and they will bring one. And uh, you can look up Matthew nine with me. We're looking at the last five, four verses. Um, Matthew nine, starting verse 35, which is identical to Matthew 4:23, which says this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, remember from last week, we, we looked up, we are, we're looking at six key imperatives for us in this passage. And there's three from last week. Our number one, that we have God's word and we're striving to follow it. We're going to read the Bible, recognizing it is God's inspired word to us. Number two, we are practicing compassion just like Jesus. And number three, we're providing leaders and growing future leaders for God's people, the church. And we're committed to those. We're going to pursue them with zeal. So then there are three more today. So number four, five, and six. The first one is pray earnestly. And they're talking about prayer. Prayer. Why pray? Why, why should you and I pray? I mean, who are we to petition God? With all that he's got on his plate and running the whole universe, why would we presume that we could talk with God? I mean, besides that, God's going to do what God's going to do, right? Well, right. He is. So why would our little requests in the grand scheme of things even matter? Why pray? Well, here's the first reason Jesus implored his disciples to pray. And if he is the Lord, we obey his wishes. It's not an if, really. Since he is the Lord, because he is the Lord, then we obey. Is he the Lord of your life? Then you obey him. Also, Jesus practiced prayer himself. He regularly was found praying to his Father. And prayer enables God's transformation in us. It kind of gets God's attention focused on a particular spot and it, it opens our hearts for ways that God is going to work in ways that we cannot predict in advance. In fact, here's how the Bible says it in uh, the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It says, if my people... In fact, you, you got it on the screen. Read with me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. So why pray? Because God is watching. God is listening our prayers matter to God. He is able to gauge our attitude and our humility or our lack of humility. And those things matter to him. And when we pray, we are partnering with God. And we are doing what he's asked us to do. Let me give you an example of something that I've been praying. We've been praying with other people, it's, but it's really kind of only half finished. Okay, so it's not all wrapped in a neat little package with a big red bow. Okay, but are you ready? This is kind of a half-finished prayer, uh, uh, yes, but I, we, I believe we have been praying. We've been seeing the hand of God at work, all right? So we started on uh, many years ago now to get the approval for the campus in Dana Point. And we've, uh, as we looked at it, it said, fully built out the campus would be four new buildings and a parking deck. 
Then we ran straight into reality. We had thought it would cost about $30 million. It was $44 million. It's as an estimate. It sucked the air out of the room. So we revised and went with uh, track, uh, you know, plan B. So two years ago, at today, at our annual meeting, we voted uh, by about 94% approval to stabilize the hill, which and uh, to build two buildings instead of four, and to lengthen the parking lot instead of building a parking deck, and to spend all the money that we had collected and the money that was pledged in coming in uh, on the project, and then to incur $10 million of debt. Then we were going to move all of our Sunday services and weekday operations from the Data Point campus over here to San Juan for duration of construction. And it was supposed to take about two years, 100 Sundays, we said, and then return to the Data Point campus after construction and leave a congregation here in San Juan. So it's, it's a great effort. It, it provides a space for adults and a space for children. And the, the thing that got left out by taking out the other two buildings was a community life center and then, of course, a youth center so that we don't have a, tempor- a permanent place for the youth uh, at this time. So we moved here in March of 2017, and we began with construction, actually we began with destruction of uh, the buildings other than the sanctuary on the Dana Point campus. And uh, we can afford the two buildings and the parking deck, and then we'll have $10 million of debt at 3 and at 4% for 10 years. So that's phenomenal. But what about the youth center? And as I asked that question, they said, we feel like we, this is as far as we can go this time, and we're asking the city for the approval. Another building would be additional $5 million, and it would take more approval from the city of Dana Point, and it would slow down the process on these two uh, first buildings that we're wanting to build if we asked them now. So we didn't ask until we'd gotten the permits in our hand. And then the building committee... And uh, your pastors and staff began to pray. You know, dear God, we can't afford a youth center right now. It'd be an additional $5 million. And uh, yet we're going to need a youth center. And so please open the doors. Show us how to proceed. Well, after we got the permits, then the building committee said, hey, we're talking to city people almost every day. We're on a first-name basis with these people. What if we got the approvals for the youth center now? Well, they know us. And it would save a lot of footwork and a lot of trips to the city later. And how much would it really cost us right now to get the city's approval? And the answer was $35,000. So would you do it or would you save that money? Well, we said one of the hurdles is the city's approval and one of the hurdles is $5 million to build the building. So we said it would be easier and cheaper now with the city and it would be a step of faith that would get one of the hurdles out of the way. So... The, the, our committee said, let's go ahead and get all the approvals needed for that building. One month later, the CVCS, the school board here at the school that meets here on our campus, contacted South Shores in a letter, sent me a letter and said, we want to purchase the San Juan campus as the permanent home for our school. So here comes this offer out of the blue, Right? Well, maybe it was, or was it out of the blue? I mean, we had prayed that direction to say, God, uh, open something before us. And here they give us an offer. And yes, it was a low offer, and, but it was a start. So we said, okay, is this a test to see if the Lord is in this and moving us this direction or not? So we went first to the leaders of the San Juan people is what I call them, the San Juan people, the ones who generously gave this campus to us and asked them, what do you think about this idea? 
And they were surprisingly open and visionary about it. I mean, they have done a phenomenal job hosting all of us, sharing their space, giving generously to a project that's over in Dana Point. And uh, they said, we could see that the Lord would be in this. So then we got all of the San Juan people, there's about 44 of them, got them all together at my house about two months ago and asked, let everybody talk and asked everybody the same question. And they were surprisingly enthusiastic about this. Some, uh, some for, I think the Lord could be in it, all the way to, I think we should, we should do this. And uh, it's a school that we started, and we want it to succeed, and we need strong schools. And the campus looks like a school campus. And we could take the money, and we could help with the youth center, and we could also do some church planting. They said, like out at the Ortega Highway and uh, Antonio Parkway, where they're building new homes. We could help plant new churches so people could hear about Jesus. And they saw the value of building the youth ministry building with a lot of the money, and they expressed enthusiasm uh, for worshiping in Dana Point when the buildings are completed because they said it's going to be so pretty and we've been hearing about it and sacrificing about it for so long so here's a new development that came out of that conversation whether we finish the negotiations with the school or not but uh, we're of the mind and the deacons have prayed and agreed that when we finish the construction phase in Dana Point that all of South Shores will return to the Dana Point campus for worship on Sunday mornings to celebrate together for a season. We will not try to leave a congregation here. We'll take everybody with us and celebrate that big step together, and then we'll figure out what will, what will be happening here on the San Juan campus. So that's a change. So it's different than I have told you before. Then the finance team has continued negotiating with the school board, and they're not done deliberating. And they're not ready to announce that all agreements have been made. And, of course, even if they were, it would take a, a, a church vote by all of us if you're going to sell any property. And we're not voting on it today. So I'm really just asking you to join. Remember I told you this was only half finished. It's not all wrapped up in a neat little package but we still have a need for a youth center. And it would be five to six million dollars today. It'll be seven to eight million dollars two to three years from now. And you'd still then return to a fight with your neighbors and with the city. We could avoid all of that if we were building it now. And so I'm inviting you to pray. And just to say, Lord, what do you have in this? Because here we voted to say, yes, two buildings and $10 million debt. And we could actually end up with three buildings completed and $10 million debt. So let's take a moment and pray together, shall we? Dear God, we want to be in step with you. We don't always see everything we could see. It's kind of a walk of faith for us, but I pray that you will increase our faith and increase our vision and help us to see how do we go forward and in a way that brings glory to you. Of course, we could spend $5 million a zillion different ways. So we want to be responsible with the resources that you place in our hand and the properties that you give us and all the people who are part of the church and the school. And we want to win people to Jesus Christ. So I pray that you will give us your wisdom and that we will be in step with you. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, we pray because God commanded us to. And God invites us to pray and to partner with him in doing his work. And God is delighted when we pray. And prayer gets God working on our concerns in ways we can't predict in advance. And we know this, that God is always good. So I want you to get to see a little clip from Pastor Chris DeLeo, heads up our prayer ministry efforts here at South Shores. And so I wanted her to get to weigh in on this. Here's Chris. <laughs>
South Shores, we believe that all are called to pray. Some preach, some teach, a few sing publicly, but all can pray. We know from scripture that the prayer of a godly person is powerful. Prayer is not a button to be pushed, but a relationship to be pursued. God is blessed and we are honored when we come together and pray. Prayer enables the power of God's transformation in our families, our church, our communities, ourselves. I've seen God work in so many ways in uh, the prayer room. We uh, get together every Sunday, by the way, and we have seen people come in there who are broken, and we have seen God do an amazing work in them and just bring them back and restore their souls. Uh, one example is um, a lady who came in and uh, her marriage was really breaking up and she was just completely devastated. And as we ministered to her and prayed with her, um, we saw her countenance change. We've also seen people healed. We have people come in who are um, ill or facing surgeries and they're frightened and of course that's that's a, a heavy heavy burden and we watch God as he lifts that burden off their heart and it's just a, a blessing for us who are there we've also seen people and this is this is wonderful but just recently after praying for 20 years for a dear friend's husband to come to know the Lord he has, and he is on fire for the Lord. So we're just blessed by things like that. And we never give up. I mean, 20 years, yeah, it seems like a long time. We don't give up on people. We, we love it. Our prayer groups continue to faithfully meet, praying continually, strategically, geographically, and powerfully. We pray that believers will know, accept, and obey the word of God. We pray for unity in our church. We pray that our services would be filled with the Holy Spirit, guiding us into the truth that sets us free. We even have a prayer team ready to pray for you at the steps if you need prayer. On a typical Sunday morning, before even church begins, I'll start praying for those who are at church, those who will be speaking for the day, the band, all the ministries that are going on. I'll also be praying for those people to have courage to come forth and lay their prayers at Jesus' cross. God, give them the strength, give them the wisdom, give them the desire within their heart to move forward so that we can come before them and pray for them. I love praying. I love to see the changes. I love to see God answering our prayers. I'm part of the South Shores prayer team. I'm here for you. If you need any prayer, don't hesitate to ask myself or any one of the team. We pray for more people at South Shores Church to experience true worship by praying for an outpouring of God's glory in His church as people acknowledge Him, not only with their lips, but with their lives. God has used the prayer of others to just encourage me in such a mighty way. The love that I have received is so powerful. It's God's love. We have lost our daughter. Our daughter was killed a number of years ago. And um, 
how, how people have blessed me as a result of just praying for me and just, and just encouraging me and just give me hope in the midst of just feeling so low that I can be lifted up and so encouraged and have the joy of the Lord. We believe in the power of prayer as a way of advancing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus works through us. That last little lady, Karen, she just she blessed me this week. She's here helping with Vacation Bible School, and she says, you know, I pray for the pastors, and I'd like to pray with them sometime. I said, well, it happens to be Tuesday at 10. Why don't you come in? And she came in, who had almost 100% attendance of the pastors in a circle praying with her and just having a great time praying, praising the Lord together. And Diane mentioned the prayer team that prays on Sunday morning in the prayer room. They're just on the other side of the fire hydrant or fire alarm thing right here on the wall. So in other words, if you wanted to join them any Sunday, you could grab your donut and coffee and then just, just, just get on the other side of that wall and you could join into that uh, prayer team because prayer really works and uh, God is at work and when we pray God God goes to work uh, on our behalf not that he isn't all the time but he's focused I believe okay so the next thing we want to look at is service is that Jesus said therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers I mean God is so good and we worship God and we read and we follow God's word and we pray to God and we we celebrate God but something special happens when we roll up our sleeves and we serve we get to work for him Psalm 100 in fact says in fact read this with me can you pop it up there let's read the out loud make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth serve the Lord with gladness come into his presence with singing know that the Lord is he is God it is he who made us we are his we are his people people and the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and bless his name for the lord is good his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations i don't know if you've ever noticed how this psalm and others mix together worship and serving and celebrating with a confidence that we belong to the lord and the lord has claimed us as his own I mean, we serve from a grateful heart. And as we serve, we are blessed and our joy increases. I certainly feel that way now as much as ever. I mean, there is a joy in serving Jesus. And if you've just been sitting on the sideline or you felt your special gift was just to come to us to church and then to evaluate, how, how did church go this morning? Or how was that sermon? Or how did the choir do? You know what I'm saying? Rather than saying, I've got somewhere that I can help and you could use your gifts in a particular way. So if you never you say, well, if I got invited a particular way and it, it struck me just right and it was right in my area of giftedness and I had some extra time, I really wish I could do this for Jesus through my church. Well, this is your invitation. I'm inviting you right now. It's a blanket invitation just to say, get in the game and come and to be one of the players and to help something happen. And if you tell me or one of the other pastors, you know, I really would like to do X, Y, Z around my church. We could probably team you up with somebody who's doing something like it or, or very similar. And, and you could be using your gifts and knowing that joy of the Lord. You might recall that last week we talked about the importance of godly leaders and for leaders to lead. If they're going to lead, they have to have followers following. Otherwise, they're just taking a walk. And um, Ephesians 4.11 says, remember we, we had this last week. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. 
So all of those first ones are leaders, and that's the job of the leader is to lead, and the followers do the work of ministry. And then Paul gets all excited in this next paragraph, and he says the same thing about four different ways without ever taking a breath. So let me try it. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who's the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which with, it, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. He's saying you start with the right attitude, you work hard together, you exercise those spiritual muscles, you're working together, there's a sense of unity, and you're getting stronger and healthier. And in the process, you grow up, and it's good. You mature in Christ, and it's good. And there are a lot of ways to serve here at church. We've got a lot of needs. And you'd be more contented as a Christian, a happier person, if you just jumped in somewhere and served in your area where you're gifted by God. So Pastor Bob and Rob are going to lift up several areas in our church where people serve. On our South Shores website under Serve, you will read that a growing faith requires both learning and doing. Jesus wants us to hear his words and to act on them. Regarding our gifts in the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12 says that we are one body with many members in Christ. Ephesians 4 says that some will be teachers, some will be prophets, some will be apostles, some will be parking attendants, some will be ushers, some will be lunch servers, some choir members, and some band members. South Shores is a body of many believers. Thank you for serving and giving of yourselves. I've been involved in the parking since about 2005. Uh, when we came to San Juan here, our mission was to get as many people into the parking lot as possible. And second, make the experience a good one. We believe that this is a valuable ministry as we are the directors of first impressions. People come in and have all sorts of things going on in their life and we want to get them focused uh, on Jesus, on God, and be uh, uh, focused, ready to go into the service. And we want them to be assured that they have uh, both handicap and non-handicap have a parking spot here when they come to South Shores. What motivates me is uh, a love for Jesus. I enjoy meeting people, and this is an excellent way to do it. When I first joined South Shores, they asked me, where would you joyfully like to give? I've been told that if you find a job that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. So I love music and I love to sing. Therefore, 18 years later, South Shores Choir has become a part of my family. They're my small group. We share together and pray together and 
laugh together. When we're instructed to perform our music, we always keep in mind that the purpose of our song is to bring the word to our congregation, and it's really all about you receiving his message through our song. There's been some sacrifices, but I can honestly say I have not given a tenth of what I have received back from the choir. I work at the Lunch Ministry at South Shores Church. It's really fun because you can just help out the church. I especially like doing the drinks because it's fun to like um, to just like make it. I think shopping at the lunch service is really fun and they like to help people out. I like to soap biscuits and help my brother with the drinks. My husband and I want our children serving too because God gave them the abilities, um, the talents, the functions to serve just like he gave us. Serving isn't just for my husband and I or for adults or church staff, but it's for all of our church, which includes our children. We love our church family and we love the opportunity to serve them and to just serve with them. It's fun, but more than that, God gave us the stability, so let's use it. At South Shores Church, it takes all of us to be the church. There's music to be played, cars to be parked, people to be greeted, visitors to be welcomed, and guests ultimately being made into family. And we do it all for the glory of God and that people would be blessed. Jesus works through us. That's good. You know, the dad of those kids is sitting right down here on the front. All of a sudden, he all lights up when he sees those kids up there saying, I like to serve the drinks because everybody comes to get some of the, uh, the drinks. And I also liked when Mark out in the parking lot, you know, he, he's risking his life because drivers come in too fast and they're a little rude or they can't see very well or they're in a hurry to get to the 945 or the 955 service, you know, or they just had a fight with Mabel on the way to church. Mark says, we are the, park, we the parking lot attendants. We are the directors of the first impression a calm non-anxious presence out there thank you for not running him over and uh, for letting him to keep serving we had somebody for a while it was opening doors and I referred to him as a custodian once I said oh, I'm not a custodian I'm the church host it's the most important thing here. And I love it when people explain to me how the job they do for Christ through their church is the most important ministry that there is at the church. Why doesn't everybody do this? Serve the Lord and know the Lord's joy. I mean, this morning I came for the summer choir and we practiced once and as we're starting the second time, Bob looked at me and said, don't you have somewhere to be? I thought... <laughs> Was it me or what? <laughs> and so, anyway, thank you for singing up here. Okay, so, uh, so we serve. Then there's one last area that we're going to pull out of this passage, and that is the area of outreach, the harvest. We bring the good news. Jesus said, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We have good news to share. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He can, will forgive your sin if you ask him. You can be right with God. You too can become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is so important that it's the last thing that Jesus said to his followers just before he left the earth. And he, 
it's in fact, it's in the last two verses of the book of Matthew that we've been tracking with this year. It's in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So making disciples, growing people up in their faith, baptizing, which is an evidence of new birth, of, of being buried in the water with Christ, raised to walk a new life, and then teaching them to observe, to obey all that I have commanded you. In fact, we're going to have a Pastor Eric, our youth pastor, is going to talk about this. He just got back from camp, by the way, with 47 young people. And some of the young people are here in the room. Would you just raise your hands or stay? Where are, where are you? Some of you are here. Thank you. Look, all right across the front. God bless you. Let's give a hand to our young people, shall we? We're just more alive, more vibrant. We have more energy when you're here, and you help lower the average age. So thank you. We really... We really like that, okay? So let's hear from Pastor Eric on this important area of outreach. The Apostle Paul was a man with urgency. Once his life had been changed by the reality of Jesus, everything changed for him. And when that happened, he couldn't stop. He wouldn't stop talking about Jesus and how Jesus came to rescue sinners. We can hear some of Paul's urgency in what he wrote to Timothy in his letter in chapter two. He wrote, this is good and it's pleasing to God our Father who wants everyone to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the Lord Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. At South Shores Church, we echo Paul's pleading. We want to compel anyone and everyone to come to the feet of Jesus and to be saved. For several years, my team and I have presented the Bible story at the Easter Fair. We tell the full gospel, including Jesus' life and miracles, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and we have to do all that within a space of about 10 to 15 minutes because, of course, their attention span is kind of small. We do something similar with Vacation Bible School. One of the five days will be given to telling the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. So it's following that story that again, we pray with the children and give them that opportunity to give their lives to Jesus. And then we tell the children, if you gave your life to Jesus, you tell someone right away because this is the most important day of your life. Imagine our joy when a parent will come up maybe weeks afterwards and say, my child received Christ after hearing that Bible story at the Easter Fair or during Vacation Bible School. 
When I first heard that Dr. Thomas was going to be speaking at our men's breakfast, I was curious because my daughter, uh, who attended Biola, she had always said that Dr. Thomas was one of her favorite professors there. And so I invited uh, probably a dozen different guys to come, and about five of them showed up, and I was just pleased at that. I wasn't sure who would show up, uh, but uh, when they started coming in, it was, it was a good thing. We're compelled. We are overtaken by his love, and that's what drives us. That's what motivates us. Not a paycheck, not a reputation we want people to know about, not impressing anybody, not establishing my importance in my career, but the love of Christ. God loved me in Christ, and that's what drives me. I'm compelled by the love of Christ now to live for him. It was a great time of solid biblical teaching, um, uh, great worship and fellowship. Um, I think transformation was taking place there that day. I had a brother of mine who I invited. He came up to me afterward and he said, hey Ted, he said, I wish I would have brought my sons and my son-in-law. They, they, they really could have heard this message. And uh, I said, well, maybe next time. And so I hope that that happens next time. The motivation for me to invite people, I want them to hear about Christ. And that's what it's all about. Every gathering, every event, every cup of coffee, every slice of pizza, each one of those things has a purpose and has a mission. First of all, we want every person, young and old, to hear the good news that Jesus wants to rescue them, that they can be saved. And second of all, we want to have each person who's been rescued be part of a rescue team to go out into a lost and dying world, to the homes and workplaces and, and fields around them, take that good news to those people who need to hear it. Jesus works through us. Oh man, we have good news to share. And uh, you know, we're gonna work like it's all up to us. We're gonna pray like it's all up to God. And we're gonna share the good news through our lives and our church and our word so that people can hear about Jesus. If you were to get your bulletin, because today, you know, is our annual meeting, and I hope you're coming to that later, but there's a little accounting here through 11 months of our year, because our year finishes at the end of June, but this is through May. And if you were to look at it, what you'll see, what this part of the story it tells is on the income, we're, we've collected more than we had budgeted for. And what that tells me is you have been very generous. Thank you. Thank you. Many of you are faithful and regular in your giving. Thank you. There's a couple of unusual gifts in there from the last six months. One from uh, an older gentleman who um, his son would not let him give. So he wrote a note and said, on my death, please give this generous gift to the church. And he got it to one to me and one to his daughter. And when we compared notes, she said, yes, he intended to give that to you. Another of a, a man who said, my kids wouldn't understand. They don't go to this church. So I want to give my, an inheritance to the church, but I'm going to do it while I'm still living. And I'm going to arrange my situation so that I can give that gift during my lifetime, know the joy, and know for sure that my gift got there. And so there's, uh, there are a couple of unusual gifts in there, but there's a lot of faithful, regular giving. And I just want to say thank you to you for participating in that. The second line, the expense, you can see where we spent less than we budgeted is, is showing that your staff is working very diligently to make every dollar stretch as far as we can. 
And uh, so we're going to continue doing that as well and partnering together that we give as generously as possible. We're as responsible as we can to make every dollar work. And uh, how do the experts say? Past success does not guarantee future performance. Right? So we just need to keep giving and serving and working together. Any other gifts like we've given for extra things like wells or for floods or for, for fires or those kinds of things, generosity through the year is not reflected in these numbers. It's above and beyond that. And so I want you to know I'm very proud of you and uh, feel honored that we can team up this way to bring the good news of Jesus to this world. Because Jesus went through all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Shall we pray? Dear God, we're those people you're talking about who need to hear your call that the, there's a plentiful harvest, and I need some help over here to get that harvest in. And we thank you that we can be some of those laborers that you send into your harvest field, that we can give, we can pray, we can share, we can see how we're so blessed to be part of a church that's trying to do all these things in the name of Jesus and for your glory, we pray. Amen.